0: boy, we have a big topic today. Like a real girthy one. Might honestly be the thickest episode we've done on the show so far. Alright, I'll stop. But really, obesity is a problem in the US that it seems like no one wants to actually address. Most of the solutions don't seem to take into account not only the role of society in creating obesity, but the ones that do don't often take into account the personal responsibility that some of the simplest people on earth think is the only cause. And it seems a lot of people are willing to do anything to lose a few pounds to fit in with strict societal structures of how their body is supposed to look. But, should they? I and mean, is their health and happiness society's fucking business? I mean, how do we get fat in the first place? How are we here? On this episode... Of why are you talking about this? Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 14 of Why Aren't You Talking About This? I am your host, William, and I will be your guide through yet another kind of depressing and also very close to home episode this week. But before I do that, I want to thank you for listening. Even if it's just to give you something to simulate running away from while you're on the treadmill or this is your self-imposed punishment for fucking up on your diet, it means the world. Also, don't do that. We'll talk about why in a bit. But before we get to the show, I just want to remind everyone to make sure to download, stream, or go into incognito mode and repeatedly uh, refresh your web browser while my podcast is open to make my dopamine number go up. And make sure to share the show with your friends, family, or anyone else that doesn't mind the ramblings of a madman being pumped into their ears too. I mean, fuck it, even if they do mind do it anyways. Fuck them kids. Also, if you're looking at the logo, you'll notice it's a lot better. Well, that's because I got a couple of artists commissioned for that. So, follow the links in the description to their Twitters, and to mine, and the Facebook page. Uh, And of course, make sure to send in an email for episode 20 when we look back on all the past episodes and talk them over. Alright, with that, let's get to the show. Alright, so today we're talking about obesity. Something that I have experience with. How, you ask? Well, dear listener, because I am fucking fat. Getting thinner, which I'm very happy about, but still fat. Which means that when I do fat jokes today, you better not get your snowflake panties on a fucking twist about it. Because I'm allowed to make those jokes. You know, like making fun of nerds on my other show. Go listen to that, by the way. But, anyways... Let's start with the basics. What is obesity? Essentially, it means fat. Like the literal origin of the word is from the Latin for thicker than a snicker, a much less flattering term. But in modern medicine, it describes a chronic disease where the primary symptom is a BMI, or body mass index, above 30, usually of fat. And being overweight, which is usually lumped into it, Is having a BMI over 25. And BMI is a way to measure your tissue mass. I.e. all the soft and squishy stuff your body is made of. That isn't an organ or literal shit. And this measurement is determined by dividing your weight in kilograms. By your height in meters squared. Now while a lot of people are super obsessed with BMI. It doesn't actually do a whole lot to tell you what's up with your body. Because it puts you into only five categories. Underweight normal, overweight, obese, and morbidly obese. And doesn't take into account your muscle mass compared to fat mass, activity level, genes, or really anything else. Nor the variables going down with your density. Like some people are fucking brick shit houses that are five foot six short kings with a weight of two twenty five but look one seventy because their muscles are just dense. But their BMI would still be extremely high. Now, obesity is considered a disease. Why? Well, because it causes a wide variety of health problems because, you know, having high mass is rough on your body, whether that's fat or muscle. You know, from small stuff like aches and pains to poor gut health and high cholesterol, all the way up to cardiovascular disease, sleep apnea, and cancer. Along with skeletomuscular disorders, type 2, diabe- type 2 diabetes, and mental illness. And all this comes from your body just having a hard time working. Cardiovascular disease, skeletal muscular disorders, sleep apnea, cancer, and the aches and pains are all caused by the literal mechanical issues caused by just having too much weight. This makes your heart work harder, puts more strain on your bones and muscles, and because there's more cells in your body, then you're more likely to develop cancers. I mean, combined with a lot of fattening foods also being a high cause of cancer. While the mental health issues are caused by both the social stigma and the high cholesterol, digestive illnesses, and diabetes is caused by a combination of diet, chemical makeup, and the your organs. And also the mental illness can also cause obesity. I think we'll... Pretty sure we get to that later. But, but because your body isn't getting what it needs and too much of what it doesn't, then these illnesses become more likely to develop or become worse. What's the... Cause of obesity? Well, there, there isn't one. Now, I know you're screaming at me on principle and calling me a fat little schnozzling and oinking at your car stereo. Pay attention to the road, dumbass. You're driving. But I don't mean that's fake. What I'm doing is being a pedantic asshole, because while you can say causes, none of the following is a guarantee that you're going to be obese. Just increases the odds, because they're contributors not causes. So you know I may mean, be pedantic asshole. So let's go down the list. The biggest and simplest one to understand is consuming more calories than are burned. Simple. Your body is taking on more energy than it can use. Now, also at this level are hormonal imbalances and changes. This one is especially... This one is essentially that your body is a big, complicated bag of fuckery, a lot of times when you change one of the chemicals, your entire body presses the panic button and cats and dogs start living together and the entire world turns upside down, before your body and brain realizes that actually, everything's okay. You just started working out and stopped eating Brussels sprouts. Next are environmental factors like oversized portions, added sugar, low-nutrient foods, and even things like ads that hijack your brain and make you want to eat shitty food and more of it. Because you aren't in control of what food you have access to. And related to this are high-sugar diets and food deserts, with a food desert being a place with little to no access to nutrient-dense foods. And obesity can also occur with disorders like PCOS, underactive thyroid, and Cushing syndrome. Because these cause hormone imbalances, cause your body to metabolize things weird, and over- or under-produces things like cortisol or testosterone. There's also genetic factors. Sometimes your body is just a slow metabolizer, or holds onto fat, or it doesn't burn fat, or is really good at absorbing sugars, or has bad nutrient absorption, or just like how you were born, your gut health is bad. I mean, there's also medications that have weight gain side effects, having a lack of sleep, being sedentary for long periods of time, and having an inactive lifestyle. Oh, fuck. And having a lot of stress and or mental illness. Double, oh, fuck. I mean, even being dehydrated can cause obesity, for fuck's sake. Something as simple as having no physically active healthy activities nearby can contribute. And finally, and the fucking scapegoat used by literally every dumb motherfucker, is low self-control. And I say that because that is one of my major contributors. I'm a creature of habit, I don't have high levels of self-control anyways, so forcing myself to do something unpleasant in order to have a healthier lifestyle in the future that I don't know about yet, while also denying myself something that I know is the very easy press button for happiness... button... Um, is really, really hard. Some people have like, you know, real reasons like trauma, having a lack of training or practice say, using self-control or being socialized in an environment where self-control is seen as a weakness. See, now I'm just a piece of shit. Most people have like an actual reason for their their issues. But now going through that whole list, you see what I mean? Contributors, but you can't say that every obese person is obese from one of those things. You can't say that thin people don't have at least one of those things. In fact, I think I live a healthier lifestyle than like half of the thinner people that I know. But they're smaller because they have different genes, circumstances, mental states, and lives. Like one of my friends drinks soda with every single meal. I don't think he's eaten a vegetable in going on eight months now. He is much, much thinner than me. He doesn't go to the gym, we have the same level of, act- of physical activity, like, it's just different genes. So then why, for fuck's sake, does the human body gain weight if it's so dangerous and also so easy? Because, put simply, the human body is a survival machine playing the game on easy mode. Basically, the human body runs off a combination of protein, carbohydrates, and fats that all food is broken down into, which is then transferred through the body. Carbohydrates are used as simple compounds for energy, specifically sugar or glucose. Fats are used to help proteins do their jobs by acting like little couriers and drug mules, and are used as energy when you don't have carbohydrates, or enough of them. And proteins are usually the building blocks of vital compounds you need to survive, and can also be emergency rations. And once your body distributes all this shit around like a good little comrade it is, any excess carbohydrates are stored in the liver and muscles, places that require quick access to energy for short-term use. For longer-term storage, to make sure we don't run out of energy if we don't eat for a while, your body fat absorbs some of the excess nutrients, carbs, and fats, and as a result, they expand. And this happens because ancient humans used to go a long fucking time without eating and couldn't just sit around all day. So having a fat reserve was a literal literal requirement for survival. And an important note, the diet back then was a lot different than it is now. The human body with this system really developed to eat high amounts of nutrient-dense plant carbs and fruit because you know those fuckers are going to try to run away when you eat them. So, if you know which ones aren't going to give you the diarrhea dog shits or kill you, then you can eat them until you puke without using up too much energy. You know, while well, meat, something that's super fucking high in energy, was hard to get, and you needed to spend a lot of energy to get it. Because, you know, even though, like, a couple animals were hard to come by from hunting, The portions used to be a lot smaller. And worth it to note is how human body... Also... Worth it to note how the human body reacts to sugar. Because sugar is basically a like nitro for the human body, since it's almost the exact form the human body needs to metabolize into energy, your brain turns off the sensor in your stomach to tell you to stop eating, because they're starting to look like someone's four fetish inflation waifu. And yes, I said that just to grow you out. So you can really fucking cram it in there. And it also gives you a amount of dopamine that's similar to the dopamine release caused by doing a goddamn line of cocaine. And this could happen because in nature, sugar was really, really rare to find in high amounts. And it's basically just like some species of fruit and honey. Uh, both of which, that's hard to get to. Honey especially, you have to fucking fight motherfuckers with uh needles in their ass. Now, added on to all of this is that your body is a very intricate machine meant to make sure the puddle of tapioca that's been in the carpet too long, that is your brain, survives and is also a big, stinky, gross, stupid idiot that sees a losing massive amounts of fat in a short period of time as starvation and will begin to conserve weight and try to hold on to the calories in any way that it can, making weight loss exceptionally difficult to do at high speeds. And it'll also slow down your brain, because now your brain's focused on, like, the bottom of the hierarchy of needs. Um, And also, because your fat reserves require energy to maintain, you'll get hungry more often, and your body will give you dopamine for being a good boy and making sure Sadistic dummy Daddy brain stays alive. I also said that to gross you out. So with all that in mind, does it make sense why obesity is a problem now? I mean, going from the top down, we as people have become much less physically active than we have at any other point in history. And we only get more and more sedentary. But food is also getting more and more energy dense, so we gain weight. Add on top of that, because companies realize, oh fuck, sugar is the wonder drug, sugar got added into basically everything to not only make it taste better, but to make you eat more of it and eat more often. And then you look at our diets, especially in America. A lot of meat and carbs, and sometimes we eat a vegetable at dinner because we want to give our bodies a nice little treat for being nice to us. Okay, okay, yes, we're all fucked, in the modern world is a nightmare of our own creation because as we change our lives for the better, we realize that we were never meant to be happy, and the proportion of people with satisfying lives has not increased since the Bronze Age. But how do I lose weight? And at first, you know and, you know, at first, you might not be asking me of all people, and I think reasonably so. But as the crowd of people starts to thin down, you start to realize that I have researched to back up my shit, and also I'm on this journey with you. So, you know, while it's often used dismissively towards overweight people, there is truth in the idea that the best way to lose weight is to consume less calories than you use. But it's not as simple as that. Uh, let's use the Mayo Clinic's guidelines with this uh, six step program to lose weight. Okay, so step one Are you ready? Because this will take a, a long time and be very difficult and require a lot of effort. Are you motivated to do this? Is the reason why you're heavy set because it's a coping, coping mechanism that causes weight gain? Do you have options for a healthier coping mechanism? Are there other pressures and responsibilities you have? What support do you need? Are you willing to change your habits? Do you need someone to choke to death between your thighs? Asking for a friend. Ask all of these questions of yourself and get prepared to answer them in a way that says that you're ready to lose weight. And, you know, don't be afraid to ask your doctor or therapist or whoever for help. And, trust me, if you're overweight or obese, your doctor will hop right on board with helping you out. I've Talk to my doctor about it multiple times. Every single time he's on board immediately. Second, find some inner motivation. You need to find what is it you actually want and take responsibility for yourself and your habits. What is going to drive you to lose weight? And it can be as selfish or altruistic as you want. Do you want to live to see your theoretical grandchildren theoretically graduate from a theoretical high school that theoretically exists in the future? Do you want to give yourself something you find sexier to look at when you jerk off to pictures of your own spread asshole? Is there a partner you want to impress? Do you want to feel more confident? Do you want to show up to the high school reunion and make everyone regret not dating you in high school? Or do you want to become like an organ donor? Do you want to donate your body to science and not be used for an obesity study? Whatever is going to make you want to go through with this. Third, set some realistic goals for yourself. You aren't going to lose weight if your plan comes down to, well, fuck it. I'm not going to eat ice cream ever again. You're going to go to the gym for three hours a day, drink at least two gallons of water, eat a salad for lunch and dinner every fucking day, and have nothing but an orange for breakfast. Because as a whole lot at once, and also too fucking fast, you freak. Weight loss is a lot like turning your butt for anal plate. Go slow, play a loop, and slowly work your way up until you're happy with the diameter and depth. Don't jump in butthole first with something like, I'm going to lose 100 pounds or die trying, because that's a great way to give up or hurt, your, hurt yourself. Sorry, I fumbled my words because I just imagined, what if that's the thing that made it click for someone? <laughs> that, how... How to lose weight. Like they've been trying to do this for a long time. And they never thought about it from the perspective of like. Oh it's like sticking things in my ass. Uh, <laughs> anyways. Um, start with something like 2 pounds. And then 4 and then 6. And then you know before you know it, Boom. You lost 12 fucking pounds. And it didn't feel like anything. And you know also I feel like I should bring this up. But it's going to be very helpful to think of these changes as. Moving towards a healthy lifestyle. Rather than weight loss. Because it's a little perspective shift. Because with this little perspective shift, you're less likely to give up. Because the number going down makes a happy byproduct of treating yourself how you fucking deserve. I mean, also, perspective shifts make it seem like a journey, not a goal. You know, you're less likely to go fucking bonkers to lose, like, 30 pounds. And then stop doing the things that changed. That changed. Yeah, You know what I fucking mean. Shut the fuck up. Listen listen to the podcast, you dummy. Uh, (laughs) Sorry. Uh, Fourth, eat healthier. Lower your calorie intake by eating less food at a time, including and especially food that's bad for you. Also, fucking cut it out with the good food, bad food thing, by the way. That's not a healthy way to think. Think of it more like drugs. Junk food is cool in moderation, doesn't mean you should be eating it all the time. And also, uh, we'll get to it later, okay, I'm getting ahead of myself. Okay, good foods for weight loss are going to be largely plant-based because these things give you a ton of nutrients and fiber, while also usually having the calories you need. But because they're fibrous, your body still has to put some work into breaking them down, so your net energy gain is lower. If you're going to be physically active, meat is also good to provide some really high levels of protein and some good heavy energy. And meat, like chicken and fish, is especially because they have less salt and cholesterol than red meat. But, you know, don't worry about cutting out red meat entirely unless you have heart issues or too much cholesterol or sodium or, you know, something like that. Talk to your fucking doctor, you fuck. Schedule a doctor's appointment. Stop listening right now. Schedule a fucking doctor's appointment right now. And while fat isn't necessarily the problem, eating lean and low fat isn't going to hurt. And and also having too much fat can increase your cholesterol and blood pressure. So you might as well, uh, at the very least, reduce that. Fifth, get active. Physical activity of any kind will help you lose weight. From working a highly physical job, to walking pets, to going to the club and getting your fucking white guy dance moves on, to chilling out on a slow walk through a nature park, you don't have to be a dummy thick gym boy to get healthy. Although, that'll that'll also help. I mean, even really small shit like parking far away from where you're trying to go, or taking the stairs more often than not. Shut the fuck up, phone, I don't need your opinion. Oh. You. (laughs) Don't get me started. Uh, And this helps in two ways. Because you're not only burning calories, but you're also building muscle. Which passively burns calories. As part of this, it's also good to keep your brain active. Because, you know, while the big mean meat machine burns a lot of calories, so does the skull tapioca we call brain. I mean, for, for its size at least. So while you're at it, I mean, read a book and do a crossword, you fuck. Okay, and finally... Don't give up. You're going to have bad days. You're going to have off days. Sometimes you can't or don't feel like working out at the gym or you don't eat great or you went to a birthday party and ate three pieces of cake. This doesn't make you a failure. It makes you a fucking human being and not a machine. Even the fact that you recognize that you fucked up is progress. And it is scientifically proven that humans don't and never will have infinite willpower We all have a limited supply of it, so it's okay if you're not perfect. Just, you know, when you fumble, keep working on it and trying. And don't just use the measurement of weight. How do you feel? Have others noticed? Are you happier? More energetic? Are your clothes looser? These are all signs you're doing better. And part of this perspective shift too, you know, like I almost talked about earlier, is changing how, like, you think of food. Because a lot of people that are obese have unhealthy thoughts about food. You don't have to put it in good and bad categories. You can just have food that you eat. Because that's what your body needs. And then you have food that you can eat for fun. And I know that makes me sound like a very like overweight person to, to say that. But like you know what I mean. You can have food that's like, oh. I eat this because it tastes good and makes my brain happy, and then most of the time you don't eat that because, you know, it'll fucking make you gain weight. Okay. That little ad lib out of the way. Now, before we go to the history, there's one last thing to cover. Do you need to lose weight? No. No, if you're happy with your weight, you don't need to lose it at all. I mean, like other things that can cause health issues, it's your choice, and as long as you know and accept the risk, then fucking whatever. But you know, a lot of people don't feel the same way. Rather, they think it's their fucking business. Which brings us to fat phobia. And fat phobia is a bias against people who are overweight. Now, this happens in American culture and a lot of other cultures to blame overweight people. For having a moral failing, being lazy, having a total lack of self-control, or in some way being a gluttonous and or stupid hedonist. And now, well, sure, call-out post of the century, not all fat people do that like I do. In fact, I think most don't match this at all. And being overweight is highly stigmatized in Western culture, assuming we're all slovenly, lazy, dirty idiots that have two personality traits and one of them is fat, which isn't true. But it doesn't stop it from slipping over into even things like medicine, with many overweight people experiencing a doctor disbelieving their problems because of their weight. Many doctors will simply attribute their problem with their weight and suggest weight loss without any other strategy, or will just say, hey, that's what being fat is. Even for acute things like leg and foot chronic injuries, skin problems, and even, like, early symptoms of cancer sometimes. And to address some things, yes, being fat doesn't mean there's more hygiene involved, and yes, more often, but not a ton more than other people. And also, fat people aren't more lazy than people who aren't. And a lot of people who are overweight have lives far removed from our weight. You know, like me, for example, a lot of my interests have very little to do with my weight, if anything. You know, I have this, I go to the gym, I enjoy sparring, I enjoy riding, I'm a world builder. Also, I enjoy going on hikes and walks. Which one of those things really has anything to do with the, uh, the, the character trait of fat? Uh, but, I mean, also, there's a lot of factors behind having a high weight in the first place, you know, like we've mentioned already. And while, sure, self-control and personal responsibility plays into it, I'm not doubting or disagreeing with that, it's not the sole reason or issue, and there's a ton of people who are overweight, taking active steps to change their lives, or people who are just thick, who are living basically your exact lifestyle. They just happen to have different genes or mental states or hom- or Hormone balances. Now, Baphobia, like a lot of other things we've covered, is a social construct. Because there's not really an actual link between the ascribed traits and obesity. At least, evolutionarily, and in most cases, o- obesity. And we're just kind of dicks about it. But that doesn't mean that it doesn't have a real effect. Obviously. Fucking dummy. There's some... But there's some other harmful aspects of fatphobia as well. First, a lot of people who aren't obese or overweight tend to have some fatphobia stigma around them too. Women especially. You know, like if a woman has uh, thick thighs that jiggle when she laughs or take a step. Uh, Hit me up, by the way. You can commit human rights violations on me with those thighs at any fucking time without warning and I will be happy about it. Um, There's almost always going to be someone who calls them fat. Or you know it'll be internalized as something to be self-conscious about. Which don't fucking be self-conscious about that. All right, I'll stop being horny on Maine. Um, or you know, like having like a paunch. Most women naturally have fat distributed to the lower abdomen to protect the uterus, and it's actually medically dangerous to try to get rid of that because like that's that's some like deep set fat. I mean, also, fatphobia can actively reinforce the behavior that causes the stereotypes. You know, like being an asshole and making fun of fat people at the gym. Makes them less likely to go out of embarrassment. Reinforcing the stereotype of being lazy. Oh, if you do that, by the way, I'll be waiting outside the gym with a tire iron. You know, just to make sure you can't go to the gym either. You know what? If you do that, you can get fucked by a honey badger. Because I certainly am not going to give you a fuck. Also, another aspect is that despite being the majority of people, overweight people still experience discrimination, and we tend to contribute to the stigma because we often feel the same way about other overweight people. Which I know is ironic. It's like uh, it's like anyone who's not white joining the KKK. It's like, what the fuck are you doing? They don't like you either. Uh, but with that, let's explain why these attitudes formed in the history section. So we begin twenty to 35,000 years ago where the first signs of obesity being important for humanity is the Venus figures. And these figures are actually something we've talked about before in the religion episode because these figurines depicting obese women were fertility and sex idols. You know, think of them like if someone attributed an actual religious significance to, like, the waifu figurines. This is a horrifying idea that, you know, is... Actually, kind of a possibility in this world, uh, but the question is why. Well, because during the Stone Age, food was hard to find and life was fucking hard. Obesity became associated with having more than enough food, or in other words, po- or in other words, prosperity, power, and fertility. Since the people who could be obese would be people with access to a lot of food and were thus in a very hospitable area, which also meant having babies was easier. Okay, but moving forward a bit, let's look at the ancient world. In the medicine of the ancient Egyptians and Greeks, they saw obesity as a disease. Even Hippocrates saw obesity as the harbinger of other illnesses as well, like diabetes. Which, you yeah, know, he, he was right. However, these cultures still had the same Stone Age ideas around obesity. But during this time too, there's the emergence of the dual meanings. For the ancient Greeks, for example, they saw obesity as a physical manifestation of mental unwellness and stupidity and even had a character trope for plays called the Obesis, which is a glutton that is usually comically unaware of his weight. And the ancient Egyptians, being the vain pricks that they are, were often simply were often similarly judgy, but finding specifics online is kind of hard because a lot of people seem obsessed with the bait of their diet. And also, like, one Egyptian pharaoh that was, that was fat? And, like, I don't know. But falling into ancient Rome, the Romans similarly had a dual concept of obesity. Because they saw it as a sign of wealth, being because the rich have always been able to sit on their ass all day and also have high-calorie diets. But also saw it as a huge negative on the lighter end as a punchline to a joke that someone has really fucking let themselves go, was also seen as disgraceful, seeing obesity as a sign that someone has a total lack of self-control, and obesity was also linked with some racism. Because a common thing from ancient Greece all the way up to the ancient Romans, because they stole almost everything from them, was the focus on the body being symbolic of your spiritual health and also representing your warrior's or athlete's spirit. And I think where you see, and I think you see where this is going. The Romans associated obesity with foreigners, barbarians, and slaves because good Roman manly men couldn't be fat, and neither could their underage femboy fuck toys because it was totally morally okay as long as they weren't a minority or fat. Also, that was sarcastic. Now, Rome's influence, as it often does, spreads in the Middle Ages and Renaissance, which is horrifying to think about. During the Middle Ages, obesity is still seen as a sign of prosperity, but the church began to get involved, and also some uh, good old-fashioned resentment. Because yes, it's a sign of prosperity. When the people around you are starving, it would stand by church doctrine that you're hoarding food, so it started to become associated with being uncharitable and greedy. And this developed into an association between food and the sins of sloth and lust, with obesity being the symptom of living a life of sin. And in 600 AD, Pope Gregory defined the sin of gluttony as eating too much, too wildly, whatever the fuck that means, too eagerly, eating between meals, enjoying your meal, or being picky. Holy shit, by that definition, most people are gluttons. Also, by that definition, you're not supposed to enjoy eating, which is fucking weird. Um... Man, that's either the American or the fat in me. Um, But as you can see, out of the, uh, oh, let let me check my notes, seven sins, being fat is associated with four of them, and are seen as the primary symptom of living in sin. But the first actual official diets were also invented during the time period. Starting in 1066, William the Conqueror, yes, that one, popularized a liquid diet because according to an anecdote that has passed around all over the place he became too fat to ride his horse and fell off then had to save face by pretending to praise Jesus while kissing the ground which man that's that's sad but also that's fucking funny uh so he decided that enough was enough and started to only drink for nutrients did he drink water you ask did he blend smoothies did he perhaps go to the local smoothie shop and order a avocado ma- an avocado mango Greek yogurt smoothie? No, you fucking idiot. He drank booze, like a real man, with hair on his nipples, and also the bellend of his dick. And, uh, won't you fucking believe it, it didn't work. In fact, many people attribute this to his death, as one night he got fucking blasted and steered his horse, which might be the dumbest and most loyal horse ever, directly into a tree and caused his guts to rupture. Yikes. But, also, and this is a gross one, St. Catherine of Siena, in response to being accused of being an asshole, or, I mean, being not a child predator, because it was the Catholic Church, um, changed her diet entirely. To what? Oh, communion wafers and motherfucking pus from the wounds of the poor that she would just lick right off. Yeah, you fucking heard that right. That's making my stomach turn a little bit. But she starved to death in thirteen eighty and then became a martyr. Yeah, Catholicism is fucking wild. Um But for the first actual diet, and not something that should've gotten some serious emotional help and counseling, we have the book The Art of Living Long, written in fifteen fifty eight, by Luigi Cornaro, which advised people how to live a long and healthy life. How? Well, according to him, eat 12 ounces of food and 14 ounces of wine every day. And also, when you get old, eat only egg yolks. Now, for context, doing some very rough math and calculations, if you put this directly into, like, poundage weight, that's three-quarters of a pound of food and about nine-tenths of a pound of wine. Meaning, That according to him, the best way to live into your early 100s, like him, is to eat less than you drink and do very little of either. Which, okay, maybe, but like, wine is high in sugar. But anyways, getting quickly into the renaissance, as the views about a lot of things in society begin to shift away from the church view, obesity does as well. Because people started to take pride in their weight as a status symbol. Because of the Roman obsession, it became more and more common to use obese and overweight people in art to represent prosperity and power, as well as to represent better times. And this was especially common with depicting overweight, attractive women for times that the artists would rather live in. Which, honestly, same. But towards the close of the Renaissance in the 17th century, beliefs around obesity changed again as Tobias Venner, an English medical author, became the first modern-ish doctor to call obesity a societal disease which isn't a social disease in the shinedown sense but in the sense that there's underlying social causes of obesity rather than simply being someone being stupid a greedy asshole or lazy and with that people began to look at treating obesity rather than judging people for it and putting a tiny bit more on looking at it as something that needs a treatment plan more complex than well just stop eating fatty and then slapping their man titties around. One of the earliest is Thomas Short in 1727, who suggested the best way to fix obesity was to move to the desert. Why? Well, because obesity, according to him, is caused by humidity. So you get fat living in swamps, and the opposite of swamp is desert. Which, uh... No, that's not how that works. Three years later, the father of dieting and veganism, Dr. George Chain publishes his highly successful book called The Natural Method of Curing the Diseases of the Body, and got a level book titles, which suggested a diet of milk and vegetables to lose weight, and he himself did it because he struggled with obesity, and this was literally the only diet that helped. And this book, along with Dr. Chain, set the foundations for a lot of modern concepts of veganism and vegetarianism. And now we move on to the 1800s and the Industrial Revolution. During the 1800s, the spiritual beliefs of the Christian church started becoming more important again, and the views of masculinity and femininity changed to become thinner and thinner. At this time, being small and frail was associated with spiritual enlightenment and beauty, most particularly with something called Victorian anorexia, an attempt to starve yourself to look frail and thin, as was the feminine beauty standard of the time. Which was also why tuberculosis was in fashion. Yep, a terrible wasting disease was seen as feminine beauty. But men didn't get out of this scot-free, with Lord Byron, the sexiest man alive in the 1820s, struggling with his weight himself. In order to keep the pounds off, he'd consume vinegar, like how people do now, to flush his body of fat, he'd over sweat, and also was debatably bulimic, going through periods of binging and purging, or binging and starving. Yeah, this is why I said you don't need to lose weight, folks. It's better to be fat than to suffer your entire life because you struggle being thin. And with the rolling out of the Industrial Revolution, as farming begins to industrialize and people begin to work in cities with higher access to food, height and weight launches upwards, quickly reaching the genetic height cap for most humans. But, you know, not even coming close to the human weight limit. And during this time, people within the standard BMI range became preferred factory workers and soldiers, the two professions that has defined the era for basically all time, which made the cultural push towards obese people being seen as a burden on society and also not working hard enough. Also because of the rise in workers' rights groups and socialism, and obesity already being associated with the rich, a lot of socialists and intellectuals attached obesity to the power struggle and began to depict the rich as fat slobs getting wealthy off of your work. And with all of this, a series of diets and programs were created during the 1800s to help people fend cultural expectations. Beginning in 1825 with the first low carb diet created by Balat Sarovine in the book The Physiology of Taste or Meditations on Transcendental Gastronomy. Fucking old book names. And in 1830, Sylvester Graham wrote that being fat is not only bad for your health, but makes you morally corrupt and sexually promiscuous. uh, The last one doesn't sound too bad, honestly. I'd I'd take that. Uh, But he founded tons of health retreats, preached vegetarianism, and avoided drugs and caffeine, and advised others to do the same. He even went as far to invent... Drumroll, please. Not putting a drumroll... The graham cracker. And yes, he'd be rolling in his grave right now if someone told him his crackers aren't used for health food and are instead uses bread in the sandwich of sugar-dense chocolate and melted carcinogenic sugar gum that we give to children to eat like two dozen at a time. Yeah, maybe, maybe he's in hell and this is his punishment. And then... In 1860, we're introduced to the Banting diet. Craybell William Banting, who was an overweight man that was really tired of being overweight, and developed this diet. Especially, eventually going on to become a health advocate. This diet emphasizes proteins, fats, and vegetable roughage, which is like very fibrous vegetables. And he actually wrote out a meal plan to follow. So for breakfast, you you would eat five ounces of meat with toast. Lunch, you'd eat five ounces of fish and vegetables with dry toast and fruit, then four ounces of meat, three ounces of fruit, and wine at dinner. He also avoid root vegetables, butter, salmon, pork, milk, sugar, starch, and beer, which is actually surprisingly close to a lot of advice that you'd see in the modern day. I mean, like, obviously, that you know, not eating the salmon and well, maybe not the pork, but. Yeah, like the salmon and root vegetables is a little weird, but like a lot of that's very close to a lot of modern diets. But into the twentieth century, due to previous pushes and also the nineteen twenties being the nineteen fucking twenties, the ideal weight drops once again. This time it's because being overweight was seen as not putting in your full effort into your work. Yeah, speaking of unhealthy ideals surrounding work and effort let's move over to the American timeline going back a little to around 1800 uh, all the way through to 1880 I mean really this this is really like before 1880 um, just the first date I found was 1800 so during this time obesity was pretty rare in America with most obese be- with most obese people being upper class because you know life at the time of the colonies was fucking awful and it also wasn't really considered like a larger societal issue. It's just like, yeah, when you get rich, you get fat. And that's what happens. But beginning in eighteen eighty and continuing through nineteen nineteen, there's a sudden bump in obesity, and doctors start paying attention and throwing around theories. And with the hindsight of being twenty twenty, what's the reason? Well, because the stereotype of corn fed good old boy American was actually accurate. See, America grew a lot of grain and corn, and it was and has been a cornerstone of our diet. And with rapid industrialization of farming, these foods became very plentiful, so American weights jumped up across the board. And through to 1940, this became more of an issue to both public and private organizations, as they realized that obesity was a potential issue, and doctors began to use the good old-fashioned eat-less, exercise-more model we're all tired of now. And then after World War II, as machines took more jobs and both men and women became more sedentary after a period of intense labor and also fucking killing people, national weight gain increased in speed and scale, especially amongst children, as television also became more popular and more kids were in suburbia where... Don't get me fucking sorry on suburbia, but there's nothing to fucking do out here. Besides sit. If you don't have friends in the neighborhood, you just sit in front of the TV like a fucking troglodyte. <sighs> okay. I'm, I'm. I'm. Ooh, I'm gonna write down suburbia as an episode. Look out for suburbia in the 30s. Um. And in the mid-1950s, after recruiters from the military began to complain about the recruits for the Korean War and building off of complaints about soldiers being too fat going into World War II, and yes, some people thought that the dudes going to war for World War II were too fat. Imagine how they'd feel about that today. Uh, With this combo, President Eisenhower was getting worried. And then America fell behind other nations on the average fitness level. So Eisenhower ever the man to slap his dick on the table and call you Sally, found the President's Council on Youth Fitness in 1956. And like Eisenhower's other and dick Sally moments, uh, this, this fell kind of short. Because there wasn't much of a clear purpose, and the definition of fitness was kind of amorphous, and they didn't really do a whole lot to address that, and because of infighting and politicking, and also not really knowing what the fuck they were supposed to be doing, they didn't do much. And the little they tried to do got very quickly compared to communism and fascism, one of which we were currently doing a Cold War with, and the other we just got done fighting instead of electing them to the fucking White House. So the council uh, pulled away pretty quickly and just kind of, uh, kind of just, like, fucked around for a bit. And now we move on to the 1960s. As fast food and restaurant dining becomes popular and more common, weight begins to increase again. And because of the slowly decreasing level of activity required for most jobs, and how fucking badass the television got, people became more and more sedentary. And to fight this, the hunk of sexual nougat JFK during his term focused heavily on fitness. Fitness, dick in your mouth. Uh, A month after his inauguration, he rearranged the PCYF like he did Marilyn Monroe's guts, and Raw Dog dumped Charles Wilkinson and his jism in there. Charles to run the uh, PCYF and his jism because JFK didn't fuck around with condoms. Anyways, in '62, he found an old executive order from Teddy motherfucking Native American cucking Roosevelt challenging U.S. Marines to do a 50-mile hike in 20 hours. Uh, which is an average speed of 2.5 miles per hour, over 20 hours without stopping. If you think that sounds easy, go touch grass, you fucking troglodyte. Hiking like that is intense. JFK, finding this cool and also funny, you know, like most of the things that he does, uh, reintroduced this, and over the next year, it became a running joke that the press secretary, Pierre Salinger, refused to even try after JFK assigned him to report on it doing the hike with the marines and the u.s public took all of this as a public challenge from the president back when that was something that people would respect and this spawned a national fitness campaign with federal local and private organizations and governments mass producing massive amounts of fitness related media and eventually spawned the nightmare that is the presidential fitness test if you have ever taken that it fucking sucks because they always do that when you're the most self-conscious about your body and your physical performance. Right in the midst of puberty, when you're thinking about sex. That wasn't a personal story at all. Don't worry about it. Also in the 1960s, inspired partially by this, and also people wanting to lose weight like fucking crazy, a few diets are created. First in 1963 is the origin of Weight Watchers, where New York, as a group of women founding a support group and accountability group to keep each other on track with their diets, and they eventually started counting calories, and then they made a point system, and then they became a cult, I mean a nationally recognized dietary program that's become increasingly more complicated over the years to stay relevant. Kidding, my mom used to do Weight Watchers, and I really felt like a cult when I attended the meetings with her. Uh, And this is also followed up in the next year by the creation of the Drinking Man's Diet being aimed directly at manly men that want to lose weight and stay trim without the other oily manly men thinking they're a bottom that takes a dick in the butt and women to be turned off by their beta male energy radiating off of them. And this diet is focused on eating high-quality expensive steaks, fish, French sauces, high-quality cheese, and distilled spirits like gin and vodka. Which sounds like the perfect way to get the most clogged butthole ever without actively having a Thick, massive girl cock in your ass. do see if you have that. Hit me up. My phone number is... Alright, and then in 1966, the USDA finally requires ingredient lists to be written on packages. Followed by requiring nutrient and dietary information being printed on foods making health claims by 1973. Now, also in the early 70s, sugar started to get added to everything. Starting with baby formula. Yep, fucking baby formula. But then by the late 1970s, high fructose corn syrup, a cheap sugar alternative, is developed and is used in processed food instead of sugar, because it does all the same things sugar does, but it's a lot more addictive. And to ensure they can add sugar to fucking everything, the sugar lobby lobbies USDA and FDA to demonize fat, which is where a lot of flavor and a lot of different foods come from. So to make up for this, sugar is added to fucking everything. And by the 1980s, the amount of sweetener in most food skyrockets, especially in drinks. And somehow, not seeing the writing on the goddamn wall, America panics in the 1980s as definitely out of nowhere, and totally not because of the easily foreseen consequences the obesity epidemic begins, with more people becoming obese faster than ever. And look, I gotta say, just as a side note if you want to boil American culture down into like one thing, that's it. That's exactly what it is. Doing the wrong thing that even in the moment you should fucking know is not the correct thing to be doing and then being surprised 20 years later and panicking and having a moral issue about something that you yourself caused. You know, that's like I don't know, that's, like, fucking, like, drunk driving. Which everyone knows you shouldn't be doing. And then you kill someone. And then when you get out of the hospital, you're like, well, goddamn, we're gonna do something about these fucking drunk drivers. They're everywhere. Like, you're the fucking problem. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. That, for For those of you who are outside the country listening, that is what you need to know about American culture. We are a cultural... We are a culture that is the equivalent of drunk drivers. Um, and to help address the rising obesity, um, the Nutrition Labeling and Education Act passes in 1990, which is funny because in the 80s we started panicking, and then in the 1990s when we do something about it, requiring all food to have nutrient labels. And again, another part of American culture, when we do do something, it's not much. And it doesn't help which then followed in 1992 by the invention of the food pyramid, which has since been derided by dietitians and scientists for decades for being heavily inaccurate, exceptionally unhelpful, and also very, very biased, especially because it doesn't give you numbers. It just shows you this is what you eat a lot of, this is what you don't eat a lot of. Uh, also, this is a system we still haven't entirely abandoned, And that also mostly brings us to the modern day, with the obesity epidemic continuing to be a problem and a lot of organizations looking for ways to address it, including banning soda in school, calorie counts on menus, and advocacy for better-designed cities to help people lose weight. And with that, let's go to where we are now. Okay, so before we get into the nitty-gritty of what the problems are, Let's look at the stats about the data around obesity. And here's two things to note first. The first being that being overweight or obese is a common problem in every region of the world. Not just the U.S., but the only places without this becoming a major issue is Asia and Sub-Saharan Africa. I mean, even in Asia, the rates of obesity are increasing. The other thing to keep in mind is that since 1975 to around 2006, the worldwide rate of obesity for children has increased from 4% to 18%. And why is that? Well, because simply put, the world's industrializing in the same way that America did about 50 to 60 years ago, which isn't to say anything about those regions of the world, obviously. I'm not a fucking scumbag that's going to say some racist shit like that. Honestly, it's probably mostly our fault because, like, we ship our culture uh, overseas with our grain and corn and also airdrop it. Like, you know. Okay. So let's get to the U.S.'s stats for something modern. Because America is known for two things. Being fat and being self-centered. So, you know, fucking kids in North Africa. I want to know about the pudgy kids in America. So, first, let's talk about the overall rates of obesity. And for once, the news isn't god-awful. See, the overall rates for adult obesity in America is down to 33% from 41.9% in 2020. Which, when this was measured, was just the last year. Meaning that about a year, obesity went down 8.9%. Which is huge. So, let's look at some of these factors. Beginning at age. For adults, the highest rates of obesity is from the ages of 45 to 54, being about 39.3%. And the lowest is 18 to 24 at 20.7%. Which is fucking great because I'm a goddamn minority for my age range. And trust me, I can tell. For education level, 37.8% of people that didn't graduate high school are obese, while college graduates are overweight 26.3% of the time. Which fucking, again, I'm the minority. For sex, and I know sex and gender are seen as the same thing, and also being on a binary is a problem because not everyone falls within those very hard and fast sex norms. But so this is just how statistics are done in the United States and and worldwide because fucking reasons. Um, thirty-two point three percent of males and thirty-three point seven percent of females are overweight. So fucking again, here I am, well being fat, while statistically is unlikely for being a young male college graduate. Is this why no one will fuck me? No, I'm, I'm kidding. I know the reason why. <laughs> i go off on a tangent. I'll hold on to that tangent. <laughs> Alright, so income is also a factor, uh, moving right along, with the most obese being people making less than 15K a year at a rate of 38.7%, and over 75K at 33.7% on the low end. And I make 30k a year, so I'm within the 37.2% obesity of that bracket. Also, the fact that I live at home and I don't spend a lot of money scares the shit out of me because there's people that make less than that. That's fucking terrifying. And finally, ethnically. The highest rates of obesity are actually tied, being both Pacific Islander and black, at 42.9%. And the lowest is Asian at eleven point eight percent. White people hover around thirty two percent. And for childhood obesity in twenty twenty one it was nineteen point seven percent. The highest being between the ages of twelve and nineteen at twenty two point two percent, ethnically Hispanic at twenty six point two percent, and middle class and having middle class parents at nineteen point nine percent. And also at education level your parents heavily affects your obesity rates as well. Now, if you know America, have been listening to the show for a while, or have listened to specifically episodes 4, 11, and 13, you can probably see where this is going. So let's just say the quiet part out loud. What are the reasons America is obese? Most strikingly, poverty. See, the thing is that food that's good for you is more expensive to produce. And it kind of is a bit more expensive than I like super expensive. But what a lot of stores do is mark up those items. I mean, some of this isn't nefarious. Fresh fruits and vegetables are harder to keep and transport. So they tend to cost a bit more and also like they tend to take up more space in weird ways. That, like you can't just like jam pack it in there. You, whatever. But it is also a bit nefarious because food that is less nutritious tends to keep easier. Be a lot cheaper to manufacture in the factory because you get more out of it and can be produced in massive quantities without, like, the same level of care or engineering. Which means, that when you go to, which means that when you go grocery shopping and don't have a lot of money, you have to buy food with poor nutrients. Meaning that you're getting malnourished while still eating calories. Meaning your body is still fucking hungry and pressing the panic button over and over and over again telling you to eat more because it doesn't have enough iron. And these foods are usually pretty fattening as well, especially having high sugar content, because these companies want you to eat a whole lot and not get full. And this creates, what we talked about earlier, food deserts, which is, again, a place where nutrient-rich food isn't locally available. Now, another reason why we're more obese is related to this, being a massive increase in calorie consumption with increased portioning. And why is that? But simply, corporate profit. The more empty food sold to you, the more likely you are to come back and less full you feel because your body isn't detecting nutrients and are instead just passing food through your butthole. You know, like Taco Bell. But in relation, because of the sugar put in these items, they're addictive and also turns off your full reflex. So when you come back next time, you buy more. Because of all of this, they make money hand over fist. The other problem and reason is because cities and the modern lifestyle aren't designed for healthy living. Most cities aren't walkable, lack parks and public transit, lack plant life and are filled with pollutants, are literal heat sinks because they're filled with extremely heat-absorbing cement and buildings, most activities available involve, uh, involve food or sedentary activity, and also, a lot of cities, if they're not, like, extremely dangerous, has the reputation of being extremely dangerous so people don't want to go outside and also most job fields are extremely sedentary this combination means that most people in their leisure and their work don't have the opportunities to live healthier lives and the health effects are massive beyond the 173 fucking billion dollars in medical costs cause caused by obesity Obesity has massive effects on your emotional and physical states. This disease decreases your lifespan by an average of 5 to 20 fucking years and also damages your happiness and ability to pursue happiness. Related to this is that the increased density of mental illness and stress, because holy fuck is the entire world a goddamn tire fire, only only aids in weight gain and makes mental illness-related weight gain many times worse. Because obesity affects the level of hormones in your body, including the ones that control your weight and also your stress levels, only makes it worse. And then it becomes a vicious cycle where you're gaining weight because you're sad and upset and stressed about the world, which makes you more sad and stressed and upset about the world, which then causes you to gain weight. And the last reason why we're obese, because we don't do anything about it. And I don't just mean this in the personal responsibility aspect. I mean it in the sense that we culturally shunt responsibility off on the people experiencing it. When we talk about society having a problem with obesity, we tend to shrug this off being on society's shoulders by shouting about personal responsibility. It's not how we talk about other forms of not only physical and wellness, but also emotional and mental disorders, which includes an old topic drug addiction. Even with drug addiction, while we do put off on the individuals to fix, especially in like, assholes, they're like, oh yeah, I just fucking let them die. Huh. We we do have things like rehab and also advocates for their treatment, which is not really how we treat obesity. But with that, we also need to look at some other hurdles to addressing obesity. Uh, firstly, only one-tenth of Americans eat their daily recommended serving of vegetables, and about 40% of American households Don't live within one mile of stores selling affordable, healthy food. Makes it almost impossible to get good quality food in the first place, and most people don't even know what they need to be eating. In addition, less than half of all Americans are within walking distance of a park. Only about a quarter of all Americans, adults and children alike, get enough physical activity. Added to sedentary jobs, sedentary school and study, and a lack of access to good exercise. And I know what some of you motherfuckers are going to say. Oh, well will just go on a walk in the park or do some push-ups. And it's not that fucking simple. It's a lot easier when it's fun or you have to do it. And in a lot of places, it's either dangerous to walk outside because other people or the weather or the motherfucking architecture being so terrible doesn't let you so much as walk down the road safely. Or it's not really available since the architecture doesn't even let you go on walks or... You don't have access to, like, a vehicle to drive to a place that has a park, which is fucking ridiculous that you have to drive to see nature. Sorry, this is getting into suburbia again. But let's just go to the opinions on obesity real quick before I fucking freak out. Okay, so let's first ask what people think the impact on society is and what the government's role should be. So, 63% of people believe that obesity has consequences beyond personal impact, while 31% believe it only affects individuals. Now, here the 63% are right, because the more unhappy the higher number of people there are, the more unhappy society is overall. I mean, that's just basic math. And obesity also decreases your efficiency and utility, because, you know, we live in a capitalist society, and if people being unhappy and also medically suffering won't move you, then the injury to the economy will. Oh, uh, by the way, that one's for you, Ben Queer Coded Shapiro. Thanks for listening so far. You know that man has never made his wife wet? Anyways, uh, now quickly, we should also note that 69%, nice, of Americans see obesity as a major health issue, with cancer being the only one that beats it out at 79%. Wait. Also, I just realized that does mean 21% of people think that cancer's not a big deal shows you uh somehow people are always dumb um and also 42 percent of people think that the government should do something and that 54 percent of people don't think it's the government's business which i mean look that's kind of arguable and the government doesn't really do much right anyways and then even when they do it's far too late to actually be helpful and then the times when they do do something in time it's like what the fuck was even the point of doing this you're not helping at all that being said, about 61% of people believe the government programs at least do something. So, with that, let's let's look at some of the things that have been suggested to the government to reduce obesity. Firstly, is requiring restaurants to have calorie counts. That if you have calories printed with the food, people are more likely to pick lower calorie options. Well, sure, you can argue that you've done this and that there very well might be stats that shows that works. Most restaurants, at least in the part of the world where I'm at, don't make this easy. A lot of people I'm familiar with aren't paying attention to that because we have all collectively agreed that if we know the amount of calories we're eating for fucking lunch and not for our whole day, we'd cry and then swear off eating altogether. But, 67% of Americans favor this. Next is banning unhealthy food ads in children's programs, which, uh, Pretty self-explanatory. You know, you can't be sponsored by Hershey's or play McDonald's ads on kids' videos or Cartoon Network. Uh, 55% of Americans are in favor of this, which is fucking weird that the number goes down when, like, three-quarters of American politics is apparently all about protecting the children. You know, almost like that's not really, like, an actual thing that people care about and it's just, like, something that you say to uh, make your point sound better and you know, just so that you know I'm not like other political commentators. Fuck the kids. This is for me. (laughs) But no, really, like, fuck them. I don't care. Um, (laughs) That's also a lie. I do care. God damn it. But, (laughs) okay, anyways, um, So, the next three are all related. Uh, So, we'll cover them all at the same time. Prohibiting trans fats, raising taxes on sugary food, and limiting soft drink size. Trans fats are basically like added fats and fat that doesn't really have any nutrients, which increases your level of cholesterol and also gives you the shits. No joke, if you're shitting like someone pouring out a bucket of extra chunky gravy into a uh, metal pipe in the ground, you probably have too much fat and not enough fiber. You're welcome. Also, if you are pouring extra chunky gravy into a pipe in the ground, I want you to, I, I, why? Can you answer me (laughs) why that is? And 44% of Americans are in favor of forcibly reducing trans fats in foods, which I'm sure some of that is because it has the word trans in it, and 100% are in favor of me never fucking saying that again. Raising sugar taxes is meant to increase the cost of sugary food, disincentivizing buying it. Now, remember what we said earlier about how poor people can really only afford sugary garbage? Yeah, that means most people couldn't afford to eat anymore. Now, reasonably, 35% of people favor this because it's not going to hurt anyone but poor people. Ben, stop jerking off. I can hear it from here. Okay, and finally, with the soft drink sizes... It's basically just stopping people from killing themselves by buying a 128-ounce Big Gulp. And only 31% of Americans are okay with this. It's like, fuck me, man. Talk about voting against your best self-interest. Okay, so before we go to my soapbox, let's ask Americans one question. Do you think we're getting better? Well, 28% said yes. 36% 36% said no, and surprisingly, 34% of Americans think that we're getting a lot worse. They were getting fatter. Which, I think, can really fall to how much we focus on this without saying anything to fix it. And with that, let's see what I think about it. Okay, what do I think about obesity? A thing that affects me very heavily. Pun intended. Ultimately, I think that obesity is a weird place, because I fully recognize both parts of this. Obesity is a problem that reflects both back on society and yourself. That being obese as your culture doesn't give a singular fuck about your health to the point that you don't have access to a lot of physical activity and good food. But also that you aren't putting in the effort. But also at the same time, I recognize that because of our system of both government and the economy, that putting effort into anything but being a good little cog in the machine of the economy is looked down on and also almost impossible. And corporate profits are put first, meaning that the government will be okay with just about anything to keep you complacent and give corporations more and more money. But then I have this little voice in my head reminding me that obesity doesn't even really have to be an issue. People are allowed to be whatever weight they feel okay with. I just don't feel okay with my weight. I mean, as risky as it is to put on the internet, it's a sore spot for me. And not in the sense that I don't like being called fat, but because all the things associated with it is deeply enraging for me. I have a fucking effort complex. I hate being called lazy or dumb. And I have issues with body image, so I'm actively trying to become thinner and lose weight and live healthier because that's important to me. And let me fucking tell you, society does not help with that. Shoving video after video after video down my throat, calling me a piece of shit for not trying, and then not giving me opportunities to work out or create time for myself. Providing only high sugar options everywhere I go, and then telling me and other people with obesity it's entirely our fault. But hey, if you're also fighting this battle, I'm by your side. I believe in you. I believe you. I know you're doing it, and you can do it, and I'm doing it myself. Don't give up. If you're happy with your weight, I'm not only exceptionally jealous, but also good for you. But, uh, yeah, um, let's just, let's go again. Okay, and there's episode 14. Thanks for making it to the end if you're seething that the big, bad, fat man said some words about being fat. Anyways, if you have opinions, advice on how to make the show better, anything that's worked for you, thigh jiggle videos, uh, especially that one, really anything else you want to tell me, make sure to email me at waytatpods at gmail.com. That's W-A-Y-T-A-T-P-O-D-S at gmail.com. Remember to check out my other podcast, Waytat Nerd. I do basically the same thing, but with nerd topics like fantasy, sci-fi, role-playing games, etc. I hope you'll like the topics just as much. And also remember to follow me on Twitter at waytat underscore pods for more episode announcements. And also make sure to check out the Facebook page. I don't really have anything posted there at this point, um, but I do have one. It's uh, the, I believe it's called the uh, Why You're Talking About This uh, podcast. Um, and with that, have a good night. Don't murder. Have fun. And remember, corporate greed leads only to decay, physically and morally fight back. This has been Why Aren't You Talking About This, and I've been your host William. Good night.